Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. So, so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, we're going to be heading to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm absolutely falling in love with this section of Scripture and everything that we're learning from uh, this epic, epic historical event and one of the greatest stories ever told, one of the greatest stories of Scripture about David and the great Goliath. And today it's going to really be about the great David and the inferior Goliath. But nonetheless, 1 Samuel chapter 17, we'll be heading over there in just a few seconds. I am so, so glad uh, you're here today. I know that we have several folks who are new with us this morning, and we're just so honored and blessed that you're here in worship today at First Missionary. Um, before you leave today, if you'll go by the, uh, the guest center out in the front here, there are some connect cards. Uh, we'd love to know who you are. Uh, we'd love to send you an encouraging email or text message. Uh, just let us know about yourself. Let us know about your family. Uh, we love to be able to connect with you. And we just feel so, so honored uh, when people come and, and they visit or they're guests for the first time. And, and you're not a visitor to us. You're a guest. And we're, you're an honored guest. And so uh, just so thankful that you're here today. Uh, if you're a regular or a tender or uh, you are a, a homebody here at First Missionary, let's just thank God. For the opportunities that he gives to us to minister to new people each and every week like he's been doing. So let's just give God a hand clap of praise for the people who are guests and in our service today. And I hope that you've already made the people around you uh, to feel welcome this morning. And uh, we are we are beginning to count down the days to to a really, really, really important day in the body of Christ. That is Resurrection Sunday. Uh, we're just a few weeks away from that. And it's a really, really important event because if the resurrection didn't happen, then we just all need to go home. Uh, that's the linchpin of Christianity is the, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Christ is not risen from the dead, then our faith is in vain. Uh, scripture says that we are still in our sin. So the resurrection is the, the most important uh, event and aspect of Christianity. You take that away, it all falls apart. So would you please do me a favor? Help us to start preparing for that day. Uh, for one, let's start praying. Let's start praying that God would just help us to understand how important the resurrection is. To celebrate uh, the cross of Christ and the fact that He's risen from the dead. And One of my favorite hymns, one of my favorite ones is, you know, I can face tomorrow because He what? Because He lives, right? So this is our hope. So do me a favor, let's just start praying as a people. Let's start praying, preparing our hearts for that day. Uh, also, start asking God to lay some folks on your heart who need to be here. Uh, maybe you have some family members, some friends, maybe some people you work with, students you go to school with. Why don't you start reaching out to them even now and invite them to come and be a part of our, our Easter celebration? And then let's pray for this, okay? Let's pray that as God brings people uh, on that Sunday, that um, He'll touch their hearts, change their lives, change all of our lives, 
and that we'll just keep going as a body. Uh, that they'll come, that they'll connect, and that they'll find a church home and a church family, and, and they'll just stay with us, and we'll just keep worshiping the Lord and growing together. You know, we've got two services that we're going to start on Easter Sunday, 9-15, 10-40. Start praying for those two services as we minister to the growth that God's given to us. And, and we believe that God's leading us to do that beyond Easter. Beyond Easter. Uh, there's going to be opportunity to start new Sunday school classes. We're going to need some classes who'd be willing to meet at 8 a.m. To meet earlier. We're going to be starting some new classes at other times as well. Uh, maybe God is preparing you to start teaching. To teach a class for adults or to teach some kiddos. And one of the things I want to prepare you for when we get to that point, is it's kind of like what I had to do yesterday in my landscape. Uh, didn't get to do it last fall. I didn't get to cut back some of my, my shrubs and stuff, and they're really getting out of hand and getting really large. But you know how it is in the springtime or in the fall, you have to prune. You've got to cut back your trees or your shrubs and stuff. And uh, it might even look like this, you know, when we start cutting back. You know, I remember the first time uh, some guys came to our house and, and cut our trees back. I, I have a good friend and her father-in-law came out one day and cut some trees back that she loved. And man, when she saw this, she thought he killed them. It's like, oh my gosh, what have you done? You, you have butchered and you've killed the tree. It looks so thin. But then over time, it's able to reach its potential. And I believe for us as a church family, when we make that transition and we start ministering over to services, at, there's going to be times in the summer months, it may feel thin. We're going to be like, where's everybody at? You, we've killed the tree. But no, we haven't killed anything. We've pruned. We've made adjustments for growth. And that's going to be your opportunity. Go back to that tree again. That is your opportunity. To reach your friends, to reach your family members, to look around and to say, you know what, God, there is room here for people in my life who need you, who need to grow in you, who don't know you, Father. And God, you're, this is your opportunity to start reaching out to the people you know. And so that's going to be an awesome, exciting time to see how God is going to use your life to reach other people. For his glory and for his kingdom. So let's start praying even now as a church family. Let's join together. Let's pray for all of those needs. Opportunities coming up. Please be paying attention to announcements and communications that come out about the details of everything that's coming up. And today, even now, as we think about prayer and as we think about opening our hearts to what God wants to do. Uh, would you please join me in, in praying for Jerry and Diane Lee's family today? Uh, yesterday afternoon late, uh, Jerry and Diane's grandson, uh, Aaron Lee, uh, was tragically killed in a motorcycle accident. I believe Aaron is at the age of 31, has a 10-year-old little girl, and uh, just out riding his motorcycle and uh, hit some freshly mowed grass that was on the highway, uh, off Simpsonia Highway, and hit that, lost control of his motorcycle, and they believe that his his life was taken instantly. Um, 
are thankful that he didn't have tremendous pain and suffering, but still a very, very tragic and sudden uh, loss in Jerry and Diane's family. So please, please pray for them uh, this morning. And let's do this. Let's pray for our hearts that as we get ready to go into Scripture and God's Word, that whatever God wants to speak to us today, that we will be wide open for that. Uh, some of you might want to even come and, and kneel. We have prayer benches in the front here. We have steps. Some of you might even want to come and kneel. Maybe your heart's just burdened for the Lee family today. Maybe your heart's burdened for a friend or a neighbor. Someone saying, God's saying, you know, reach, reach, reach them. Let them know you love them. Let them know you care about them. Let's just, let's just stand. Let's do that. Okay, let's stand. Some of y'all, let's just come to the front. Some, let's just come and pray. Can we do that? Let's just come, some of you just come and, and join us here in the front, and, and let's just lift up everything around us today. I also know that we've got lots of folks who are traveling back from spring break, and my goodness, we don't take anything for granted. So we want to pray for their safe travel, their encouragement. And by the way, you may not realize it, but folks are... Are watching, in, are watching right now our live stream. People from home, they're, they're traveling in their vehicles right now. They're with us uh, by way of the, the internet. And so we welcome you folks who are watching. Maybe you're part of our church family and you're driving back even now. We're uh, glad that you're tuning in and watching this on our live stream this morning. Uh, glad you're here. So why don't you, uh, if you're driving, don't close your eyes in prayer. Maybe the people in your car can pray. But just in your spirit, let's all just bow our heads and Let's lift up these concerns that are on our hearts this morning. Father in heaven, God, we come to you this morning to give you honor and glory and praise for who you are. And Father God, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives, for what you're doing in, in our church family here. And Father, as we prepare for the future, I ask, Father, that you would give us favor. Give us favor with your spirit to follow obediently and wisely. And, Father, I pray that you give us favor with your people. That, God, even your spirit would now would start tapping some shoulders. You can teach. You have the gift. Here's your opportunity. Even reaching out to some classes, Father, who can make a move to one hour that frees up that classroom in another hour. Father, tap those hearts. Move in this body. We want to be spirit-led, Lord, in everything that we do. And so we're asking you, Father, to prepare our hearts for what is to come. Father, I pray for Jerry and Diane today, Lord. I pray for their precious family. I pray for Aaron's daughter, Chloe, this morning, Lord, and lift up a very special prayer for her and pray for her heart, dear God. I pray for her spirit. I pray for comfort and encouragement. I pray for Aaron's mother, Mitzi, his father, Eddie. I pray for Jordan, the rest of their family, Amanda, Lord. I pray for the entire Lee family today, God, that you'd comfort them. Give them strength, Lord. And Father, we're asking in the name of Jesus that even by Aaron's passing, Lord, as he is a believer, and we're thankful for that, that you'll do great things 
through his homecoming, Lord, which was so sudden and so tragic. You are a big God, and we're asking you to do big things, to bring honor and glory to yourself and to change lives through this loss. Father, open hearts and minds today for what you want to speak to them. We ask that your spirit would speak hope, and encouragement, faith, and trust, and truth into our hearts today. And we trust you to do this. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. As we turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17 today, I do want to wish my dad, Ken Miller, a happy birthday today. So happy birthday, Pap. Love you so much. So if you see him after the service, uh, um, tell him happy birthday. Uh, we're not going to give him licks today because we'd be here all afternoon. So anyway, just kidding, just kidding. Happy birthday to my dad today. First Samuel chapter 17. I want you to imagine with me as we look over, turn over there in Scripture, I want you to imagine with me what do you think is, is your greatest Goliath in your life? What do you think is your greatest Goliath today? Your Goliath is that challenge. It's that nemesis. It's that thing, or maybe even that someone, who seems to continue to bring you challenge. Your Goliath doesn't take a day off. But it, even at times, it can just seem like, it's just all the time. The Goliath is coming after you. The challenge is always there. Day after day after day. Maybe for some of us, the big Goliath, the big challenge in our life is something that's been there a long time. If you really think about it today, there's a possibility that your Goliath was there when you were a kid. When you were young. And the Goliath has seemed to be there all of these years. So what do you think today is your greatest Goliath, your biggest challenge? Now I want you to imagine with me your Goliath being gone. I want you to imagine with me your Goliath being gone. Your Goliath falling and never, ever coming back. I want you to imagine with me you walking free from your Goliath. It's taunts, his taunts, never bothering you, never hampering you, never ever coming against you again. Imagine with me your Goliath being gone. Did you know that today you can find freedom? From your Goliath. Did you know that today. By appropriating the truth. Of who you are in Christ. And the truth of God's word. That today. You can find freedom. In fact today. When you leave this place. You can say goodbye. To your Goliath. Forever. I believe those principles are laid out. And they're found in. 
this next section of 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is the point of the story, and we're about six messages into this. This is the point of the story where David, he has stood up, he has said to the men of the Israelite army, he has said, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take on the Goliath. Nobody else has been willing to do this. Everybody else is afraid. I'm going to do this. He goes to Saul, King Saul. Saul says, you can't do this. Uh, you're too young. You're but a youth. I mean, you're a shepherd boy of all things. You can't do this. And then David looks back to his past. And he recalls the times when he, as a shepherd, was looking over his father's sheep and, and a lion or a bear would come in and would take one of them. But David would never just sit back and say, oh, well, we've lost the sheep. No, David said, I would go after the lion. I'd go after the bear. And when it would rise up against me, I would grab it by the, by the beard and, and, I, and I would kill it. I've done this. I've, I have seen God deliver me in the past. And I believe what? Today. Today, today, if I need encouragement, if I need strength to think for a moment that I can take on this Goliath, it is the thing that I look back and I realize that when God did it for me in the past, I believe with all of my heart that he will what? 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 He will. He will do it again. So Saul says, okay, may the Lord be with you. Then Saul, being a responsible king and a responsible leader, he wants to equip David to go into the fight. So when you look around 1 Samuel 17, uh, starting around verse 38, you see Saul starting to equip David with the armament, with the armor that Saul thinks David is going to need to go fight this battle. So it's almost like thinking like this. So Saul says, okay, first of all, you can't do this. David says, I can do it. The Lord's good. The Lord's faithful. He's done it in the past. He'll do it again. Saul says, okay, the Lord be with you. But you can't do it like that. You can't do this as you are with what you've got. So I need to give you some armor. Saul's a big dude. Head and, toulders, head and shoulders above all the other Israelites. You can imagine his armament, his weaponry, his shield, his breastplate, his helmet would fit him, but probably not fit David. But he wants to give David his stuff. So that David can go fight the fight. So he begins to clothe him with his garments. He puts a, this is verse 38, puts a bronze helmet on his head, clothes him with armor. David girded his sword over his armor. Whose armor? Whose sword? It's Saul's stuff. And then David begins to try to walk in verse 39. He's never worn this before. This is not tested by David. He doesn't know how to operate in this. And then he says, hey, 
I cannot go with these. I, I can't wear your stuff and fight this fight. So David takes it off. And in verse 40, David takes his own stuff. He takes his stick, his shepherding stick. He took his stick in his hand. Notice all the other things were Saul's. These things are his. He takes his stick in his hand. And then the scripture says that he chooses for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he puts them in the shepherd's bag, which he had, even in his pouch. And his sling was in his hand. So David has everything that is his. As a shepherd, he had a pouch that would almost like we'd call it like a man purse, right? A pouch. And there he would store the stones that he would use when he had to use his very own sling. His sling was comprised of two leather pieces and a pouch in the middle. Things he was familiar with. Probably the very things he had used before when he went after the lion, when he went after the bear. But this is going to catch Saul completely by surprise, and it should catch you completely by surprise. Because the Philistine Goliath was expecting hand-to-hand -hand combat. Saul was expecting hand-to-hand -hand combat. The Philistine, he is, he's geared up like an infantry soldier ready for hand-to-hand -hand combat. Saul wants to equip David for hand-to-hand -hand combat. But guess what? David is not going to beat Goliath in hand-to-hand -hand combat. The very thing you would think David would need to do to fight Goliath is not the thing he chooses to do. Because God did not equip him to be an infantry soldier or an infantry warrior. Now some things that you need to know. Are you all ready about this? About David. Many times when we read this story we think, oh man, David is so small. He's tiny. He's the most unlikely of all people to take on Goliath. But did you know, did you know that David, within his own heart and his spirit, he already possesses a warrior mentality. You see, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, when Saul was looking for someone to play music for him, and he chose David... In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 18, when David is introduced, this is what is said about him long before he ever faces Goliath. And it reminds me of the old saying, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but it's the size of the fight in the dog. One of the young men answered and said, Behold, I've seen, this is 1 Samuel 16, 18, behold, I have seen, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is a skillful musician, 
a mighty man of valor. A mighty man of valor? A warrior. One prudent in speech and a handsome man. And the Lord is with him. Long before he ever goes to face Goliath. He's already considered not just a skillful musician, but a mighty man of valor, a warrior. He's not the underdog that you think he is. He's also not an infantry soldier. In the ancient world, an army was comprised of basically three types of warriors or soldiers. The first was the cavalry. The cavalry were the guys who rode horses. They might have even been in chariots. Then you had the infantry soldiers, the guys who would wear the helmets and the breastplates and the swords, and they'd have the protective covering over their legs. This is Goliath. He's an infantry soldier. Foot soldiers is also what they were known as. But then you had another group of people who completed the army. They were called projectile warriors or artillery warriors. They were comprised of men who were like archers. But did you know there were also guys who made up this portion of the army, the projectile warriors, who were called slingers. Slingers. And slingers were guys who were very skilled in slinging stones. Almost like slingshots, but they're slingshots, guys. Their slingshots were not like this, but two leather straps with a pouch. And listen to this. They would twirl their sling. They could twirl their sling at a speed of about six to seven revolutions per second. It is estimated that skilled slingers could hit their target or their enemy up to 200 yards. They were like snipers with slings. Six to seven revolutions per minute. When they would let go of one of the sides of the rope. A stone could be slung. At about 112 feet per second. Did you know. That the Romans. The Romans. Developed a special tool. For removing. Stones. From their warriors. Who had been hit. By a slinger. Imagine standing in front of a major league baseball pitcher. Who throws a fastball at about a hundred miles per hour. And taking it. Right on the head. Some scholars have even pre 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 predicted. That a slinger. His stone leaving his pouch from his sling. Hitting his target was almost like someone being hit with a 45 caliber pistol. David has no intention of going at Goliath in hand-to-hand -hand combat because he was not an infantry soldier. He was a slinger.
Goliath is at a disadvantage. Did you know also? If Goliath did suffer from gigantism, which is that condition where people become very large giants because a tumor is pressing on their pituitary gland, which causes abnormal growth. Did you know that one of the conditions of someone who suffers from gigantism is many times is they have very, very poor eyesight. And they're lumbersome. And they're slow. Goliath has a man who has to walk in front of him with an armor, with to hold his shield. Goliath is a hitting target. And here's what's something really, really important for us to understand today. So many times, the power of our Goliaths are not real power that they have. They're at a disadvantage. When it comes to the power that you and I have through the Lord Jesus Christ. Goliath is, he is, he's, he's a target. But isn't it just like the enemy to, to make you think you can't whip this Goliath? You can't take this Goliath on? This Goliath is stronger than you. This Goliath is mightier than you. This Goliath has, has experienced and it's coming against you. You can't do it. You don't have what it takes. You don't have what you need. But the reality is this. Just as it was for David, it is the same for you. It is the same for me. David already had everything he needed to take down Goliath. He didn't need another sword. He didn't need another shield, he didn't need another sling. He already possessed everything he needed to take down Goliath. And you don't. If you are in Christ today, you don't need another blessing. You don't need another armament to add to your garment of warfare. You don't need another blessing. So many times you might think, I need this, or I need that, or I need God to do this in my life. I need God to give me this, or I need God to give me that. And then if God will give me this, or God will give me that, then I can take on my Goliath. But if you're in Christ, you already have everything you need. Listen to what Isaiah had to say about where he stood in regards to his faith in the Lord and what God had done for him and how, how God had garmented him in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. This is what Isaiah said. He said, y'all follow this. This is powerful stuff. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God for he has clothed me with garments of of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Let's go back to this again. Y'all watch this really carefully and listen to the language that Isaiah uses as he thinks about his faith in God and what God has done for him. He says, 
again. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. I will, my soul will exult in my God, for he has what? Past tense. He has what? He has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. In other words, Isaiah is saying, God has wrapped me. He's clothed me. He's given me the garments that I need. The garment of righteousness. And if you are in Christ today, He gives to you everything you need to take on your Goliath. In fact, in the New Testament, we're going to see in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 what we have in Christ. Beginning in verse 30, 1 Corinthians 1, 30, but by, doing, but by His doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us, to us, wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. These are yours in Christ so that just as it is written, let him who boasts do what? Boast in the Lord. So imagine this. Imagine this. When Jesus Christ was in the wilderness and he was facing Satan in a moment of great weakness and he defeated him by the truth of God, who he was in the Lord and the truth of God's word. The very same Christ who defeated Satan in the wilderness is the Christ who lives in you Today, you have his righteousness. You have his garments. You have his redemption. You have his hope. Paul would write about the armament of the believer in Ephesians chapter 6. And notice what he would say there. He would say, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Question, why, why, why do you need to take the helmet of salvation? What does a helmet protect, by the way? What does a helmet protect? What does a helmet protect? If you're a football player and you have to wear a helmet, what does it protect? It doesn't protect your feet. It doesn't protect your hands. It doesn't protect your chest. What does the helmet protect? It protects your what? Why? Because your greatest battles in your life occur not out there or in here or with anybody else, but they occur right here. They are battles of the mind. They're battles of the mind. You think. You believe. And so many times. You buy a lie. And you think your Goliath has you defeated. And you think you can't win. Did you know that the majority of our battles are won or lost at the threshold of the mind? It's how you're perceiving things. What you think is true. And the reality you already have everything in Christ that you need. When you realize that you have what you need, it's going to give you great confidence. Can you, can you imagine me a little kid who, say, loves Batman? And let's say he might be kind of shy. He might be kind of... No, this is not me, by the way. He might be kind of shy. He might be a little timid. 
But man, you put Batman costume on him. The next thing you know, this little guy comes out. What does he want to do? Did you ever buy your kid a superhero costume? They want to do what? They want to play out. They want to act out. Whatever they think, they are. I mean, a little kid might be timid, he might be shy, but as soon as he puts on that Batman costume, he's ready to fight. Why? Because he thinks he's Batman. Bring on the villain. Do this for your kids, they come after you, right? I remember Brady growing up. This is last year. I'm just kidding. Brady growing up. He started getting to a certain height. And you know, you're kind of having to walk around like this a little bit, guys. You know what I'm talking about? Because I mean, he's, he's, he's going to come in. He's, he wants to wrestle. And we'd wrestle in the bed. And we'd make up names of characters. Hacksaw Harry. Chainsaw Larry. And man, he would, he would become that character three to four years of age. He'd become that character he believed he was. And he would fight me with everything he had. And I'd put my hand up on his forehead and hold him off. And he'd do this right here, you know. And, and it was just incredible to watch this little guy all of a sudden think and believe that he had such great power and ability. And then he would come at you with everything he had. There ain't no way I would wrestle him today. I promise. I, I, I gave. I have given. I gave up. I gave up. I, I've told him. I said, I've got a congregation to pastor and lead. I don't need. I, I've got to stay healthy. You just leave me alone. And I don't want to embarrass him. That's the main thing. Is if I whooped him now, if he ate, I would embarrass him. So to save him his dignity and being shamed by all the men of the church, I just don't wrestle him anymore because I'd, I'd really hate to have to embarrass him. Some of you are thinking, I'm glad there's not windows in here because the Lord will strike you dead right, right now, right? But this same principle applies to you and me. Many times we don't take on the Goliath because we don't believe we're good enough. We don't believe we've got what it takes. But when you start understanding who you are and what the Lord's given to you and the very power He had, listen to me, the very power He had to create this entire world with a spoken word, is the same power He gives to you. And the same garments of victory, of faith, and hope. They're yours. But Satan doesn't want you to believe any of that. Battles you see with a spiritual enemy are won and lost at the threshold of the mind. In this battle that Goliath had with David, David, David already had what he needed for victory. And in the spiritual battle with the unseen enemy that comes after you, you have in Christ what you need for victory. Spiritual battles 
which most of the time is what it is. Because if you can remove the power that your Goliath has over you, your Goliath is no longer your Goliath. Is that not right? Once the power of the Goliath is gone, that's no longer a Goliath to you. Spiritual battles must be fought with spiritual weapons. And one of the reasons we struggle so much in this is because so many times we are looking for physical solutions to spiritual challenges. And that will never work. Spiritual battles need spiritual solutions. And one of the greatest weapons that you have is prayer and surrender. So David, he gets these five smooth stones, right? For his pouch. Some people have said, why five smooth stones? Did David doubt? He only needed one, but did he doubt? Did he have four as a backup? I don't know if this is true or not. Historians tell us, it's also recorded in Scripture, that Goliath had four brothers. And some have speculated that David knew he would need one stone for Goliath, but he had four for his brothers. Can't prove that from the text. But isn't it interesting that if in fact that's the way it is, that whatever your Goliath is today and what is needed for you to defeat your Goliath through your spiritual armament today, that whatever Goliath shows up tomorrow or next week or next year, it will be the same answer. Just like when David killed the lion and he killed the bear. He would go at this Goliath the same way. So this isn't just the cure for your Goliath today. But it's your, the cure for your Goliath tomorrow. And the one that may show up next year. So, so you're a student in school, right? And you've got all kinds of battles and stuff you're dealing with in school, right? And things are just kicking your tail. And you're trying to figure out, gosh, how can I be free? These things bother me. These things worry me. Am I, am I good enough? Do I look good enough? Do people like me? Am I making good enough grades? And then you, begin, then you begin to find your sufficiency in Christ, right? And you begin to find freedom from that Goliath that's in your life as a student. Then later on, years down the road, you get married. And man, you got some new challenges coming your way now that you're married. And you're thinking, oh, I'm not prepared for this. Yeah, you are. The sufficiency of Christ. Your identity in Him. The power that you needed then will be the same power that you need there. And then you have kids. Oh, my Lord. And then you have kids. And oh, you got some new challenges coming your way. Trying to start a family. New challenges coming your way, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I have never faced this kind of Goliath before. I don't have what it takes. God says, yeah, you do. 
Because the same, the same thing I gave you back to you when you were in high school was the same thing I gave you when you started struggling in your marriage when you were younger. The same thing I'm giving you today that you have already in your arsenal for this challenge you have with your kids. Then you get older in life. Grandkids come along or you have problems with your job. It could be anything. You start having health issues. Oh my gosh, how am I going to deal with these health issues? Oh my gosh, this is a new Goliath in my life. How am I going to deal with this? I don't have what it takes. I've got aging parents. I've got to care for them. I'm a caregiver now. I don't have what it takes, God. God said, yeah, you do. The same thing that I gave you when you needed help with your grandkids, that you needed help with your kids, that you needed help in your marriage, that you needed help in high school. The same thing you needed then is the same thing I give you today. You have what you need in me. The sufficiency of Christ, your identity in me, the power that I've given to you through the Holy Spirit is the same power. It's already there. I'm not going to give you anything new. And part of your challenge is you're wanting something new. And the reality is you've already got in your pouch everything you need for whatever Goliath comes your way. Most likely, David just wanted to be prepared. So he grabs five stones. Maybe an ambush would come later. Maybe the Philistines would see him take down Goliath and a bunch of others would come after him. David maybe was just wanting to be prepared. Watch this. This is amazing. So he's got his stick. He's got his stones. He's got his sling. He approached the Philistine. The Philistine came on and approached David with the shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked at David and saw him, he disdained him, which means that he's ridiculing him. He's mocking him. He's like, you're pitiful. You can't stand against me. He was but a youth, ruddy, with a small in, in stature, but yet handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Sees a stick in his hand. You going to fight me with that stick? And David's thinking, heck no. Because I've got a stone. It's got your name on it right here in my pouch. He begins to curse him by his gods. Dagon, Baal, the false gods. The Philistine is now cursing David by his gods. Which shows you that this is a battle of deities. It's a battle of deities. Your fight is not your fight. Your fight is God's fight. As soon as you realize how to rest in him and trust in the power of the spirit that he's given to you, you can start finding victory. The Philistine also said to David, come to me. He, see, he wants a hand-to-hand -hand fight, right? Come to me. I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. And then notice this. This is verse 45. David just doesn't whip out a stone in a sling. Whoa, it knocks him down. No, David starts talking back to his Goliath. David said to the Philistine, you come to me. With a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel. Whom you have taunted. This day the Lord, the Lord will deliver you up into my hands. And I will strike you down and remove your head from you. 
and I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines because he knew that as soon as the Goliath would fall, the army would fall. I'll give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there, that there is a God in Israel. And that this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. So notice this. David doesn't run from his Goliath. He runs to his Goliath. And he doesn't cower down. When the Goliath talks to him, he talks back to it. Maybe you need to stop talking about your problems. And start talking to your problems. Because when you're talking about them, you're not focused on them. You're probably talking about what they're doing to you and how they're affecting your life. But when you start talking to them in the name of the Lord, they can't stand against the power of God. And there's nowhere that they can run and there's nowhere that they can hide because they cannot evade. An almighty, powerful God. So talk to your challenge. Tell your challenge that, you know what, today, you're done. Today, you're done. I'm going to cut your head off. It's over for you. Now, here's a little tidbit. We've got to do this quick. Small tidbit. David referred to the Philistine as an uncircumcised Philistine because he was not owned by God. He had never received God's mark on his life, so he was an enemy of God. He was uncircumcised. David himself was marked by God. But you know what? When the Philistine fell and got his head cut off, he got marked by God. He was owned by God. And he was impotent and powerless. When David cut his head off. And the same thing can happen. With you today. In regard to your Philistine. In regard to your Goliath. By the power of God. You can speak. You can stand. You can run at. And you can say. In the name of Jesus today, you will no longer have any power over me. You're going to get owned by God today. So as you stand with us this morning and you think back to how we began this service today. What is it? What is your Goliath? What is your greatest obstacle and challenge in your life today? And today. If you are in Christ, you have everything you need. But if you are not in Christ, you're pretty weak. And you're going to continue to struggle. So give your life to Christ. Surrender to His power in your life. Let Him own you. So that then He, through you, can own your problems. 
Have you ever given your life to Christ? Surrendered your heart to Him? I do not take for granted that anybody here today has done that. But I do understand that we all need to do that in our lives. And that's where we must start. So with your heads bowed today, and before we wrap up our time here, let's pray together. Father God, today, because of everything that you've given to us in Christ, I accept and I believe that you've given to me everything I need. And today, Father, I can come at my Goliath. I can recognize my Goliath for who my Goliath really is. And I can recognize me for who I am in Christ. And you've given to us, Father, everything we need. So in the name of Jesus, I speak to you, my Goliath. I am submitting this area of my life to the Lordship of Jesus. You have no power over me. I am no longer going to believe the lies and the deceptions of my spiritual enemy. You are powerless. And I am taking the stone, the truth of God's Word. And I'm slinging it at you. And I'm hitting you right between the eyes. And today, you fall. And I'm free. I am free in Christ to never be bothered by you again. And Lord, anytime I think a dead Goliath is speaking back to me. I come back and I apply the same truth over and over again. And I do this in Jesus' name and by His power. Amen and amen. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.